This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show, our Thursday edition. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer himself, Jack Hirsch, as we're going to review last week's games because we got a lot to catch up on then preview this weekend's especially the playoff games jack how you doing this morning good mac thanks good good so jack let's get into some of the nfl stuff and of course damar hamlin uh who was sent to buffalo hospital and was already released jack after nine days of that injury He's already uh, out of the hospital, and I I think we'll be seeing him pretty soon, Jack. What do you think? Well, not on the field, but I I don't know what his medical condition is right now. No one has hardly mentioned the possibility of him playing again, because in the big picture, that's unimportant. People are just relieved he's alive. And it was heartwarming to see all the people rally around another human being. It was more than Damar Hamlin. It was society rallying around another human being, and it it was really heartwarming. And Damar Hamlin, even though obviously was unintended, he brought out the best in other people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, his injury, and you know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta put this into football perspective too. It did affect the playoffs, the AFC especially. You know, who's playing where, uh, what. Where is the home games going to be at? They say in neutral sites. Are they as Buffalo going to have uh, that home game? Is Cincinnati if they continue when having a home game, Jack? So it's really turned the AFC uh, uh, playoffs upside down. Yeah, we don't know what would have happened had the game continued. It's all speculation. Cincinnati did have a seven-three lead. They seem to have come out on the short end of the stick with what was determined afterwards. But, you know, it was an unusual circumstance. I mean, what can you do when something like this happens? And you're never going to find a perfect solution, Mac, no matter what you do. Yeah, right. You're right. In in some other headlines, Lovey Smith and Cliff Kingsbury were both fired, Jack. Uh, I guess the uh, GM has agreed to step aside too. So, you know, Lovey Smith, who's been around the league a long time, uh, gets fired again. And Cliff, Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, who is a newer coach, uh, gets fired, uh, you know, fired from the uh, Cardinals. Well, Cliff Kingsbury did get the Cardinals off to a good start last year. Great start. And then it completely fell apart towards the end of the season. And it continued into this season. I mean, they didn't recapture what they had. It was no surprise. You know, the reports were that he kind of lost control of the team uh, with the Arizona Cardinals. And Lovey Smith's situation with the Houston Texans, Lovey Smith actually wasn't a first choice, but he did get the job. Lovey Smith did have a resume. He did take the Chicago Bears to the Super Bowl many years ago where his bad team lost to Tony Dungy's Indianapolis Colt team led by Peyton Manning. So that was quite a while ago. 
And you got the feeling with Lovey Smith, he was just basically patched into the job. Yeah. They, the Texans had to get someone. They had to get someone on the go. They got Lovey Smith. And he didn't seem to be a long-term solution when they got him. He wasn't one of the hot coaching hires. Right. But you would see how he would do. And if the Texans would have had a good year, chances are Lovey Smith would have come back. But the Texans didn't have a good year. Second overall pick in the draft. I wonder about this, Mac. I, I wonder just, I'm not saying, the Texans won their last game of the season. They edged out the Indianapolis Colts by one point. They went for a two-point conversion, and they made it. Right. If the Texans would have lost that game, they would have had the number one overall pick in the draft, not the number two overall pick. If they had the number one overall pick, they badly need a quarterback, badly. Right. Right. They're going to draft the quarterback, but they would have had their choice. And I'm sure internally their scouting department maybe had one quarterback ahead of the other. Maybe they had Bryce Young as the number one guy, clearly, who they wanted badly. And now they're going to see, we there's a good chance we're not getting our guy. We might not get our guy because Lovey Smith is going for a two-point conversion and tr- – and winning a game that was meaningless to us. That's what they might maybe maybe thinking the owner, the front office. I'm not saying that they're thinking that. But you can understand that speculation involved. Maybe had the Texans lost the game, maybe, just maybe, Lovey Smith would still be the coach, wouldn't be let go. Well, I don't know, Jack, if they're going to lose Bryce Young because Chicago has – uh, the first round pick, first overall pick, if I'm not mistaken, and they, they got Fields. they got Fields as their quarterback. So, I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, maybe they'll trade Fields. I don't think they're going to trade Fields, Jack. He's too good. So they I don't think- have to, Mac. I'm right. sorry, Mac. Cut in. Finish your thought. I'm okay. Well, what I'm saying is, I don't think they'll get rid of Fields for Bryce Young. So, Houston uh, will get their quarterback anyway, Jack. Okay, let me throw this at you. In the the Indianapolis Colts, they desperately need a quarterback. Their GM already said they're fully committed to getting the franchise quarterback. They'll do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, it means either signing a free agent or looking at the draft for the guy they think is going to be their franchise quarterback. The only true franchise quarterback that's available as a free agent, franchise quarterback, is Lamar Jackson. Don't tell me Jimmy Garoppolo. He's absolutely not a franchise quarterback. He's a game manager. He's not a a difference maker. Jimmy Garoppolo's not elite. I don't want to hear any of that nonsense. Lamar Jackson, when healthy, is elite. When healthy, but that's the key. Lamar Jackson is injured a lot. Right. Well, I think might not want to take a risk on him. It's very, very risky. Now the Indianapolis Colts are going, what are they going like fourth or fifth overall in the draft? They can trade up with the Chicago Bears. They can trade their first round draft pick, which would allow the Bears to get one of the players they want, the non-position quarterbacks and maybe throw in 
some other high draft picks, maybe another number one, a couple of number twos, throw some serious draft capital at the Chicago Bears in order to get the number one overall pick. And you want to know something? The Bears are certainly going to be listening because they got Justin Fields there. Sure. Okay. And so they can leapfrog ahead of the Houston Texans conceivably. And if the Texans are set on Bryce Young, they would wind up losing them, even though I'm not so sure myself personally that Bryce Young is the clear number one choice. I really like C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I'm, Mac, you have a better read on these college quarterbacks than me. Yes. How would you rate this class? Because they say there are other quarterbacks as well with potential, a couple of more that might go in the first half of the first round. I don't necessarily believe it because last year I heard all this talk. Oh, Malik Willis projected that this spot at number one. Really, Malik Willis won in the third round. Right. So don't give me these projections of, of some of these guys who are going to go very early. But we know Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are going to go pretty early. Those are the yeah. two guys we know aren't going to wait. They're not, they're not going to slip to the later part of the first round. Or even the middle of the first round. Yeah. I you know, I, I'm not really impressed with this quarterback class either, Jack. I think they all got their problems. I do like the kid, I think his name's Hodgkins. Um he's played he played really well. Um there's a couple quarterbacks that aren't being noticed as much as Strout and uh and uh, the other one there his name this is this Anthony Richardson. But I keep hearing, oh, he has all this upside, but he's raw. He makes mistakes. When I hear the word raw, Mac, right. I want to keep away. Right. You, 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 don't tell me the word raw and then tell me a team's going to use their first round pick on a guy that's raw. If a guy that's raw, you got to wait till at least the third round, at least. Yes. Yes. Guy raw. I, I just yeah. don't want to hear it. Like I said, Jack, I'm not really that impressed with it. I think there are a lot of great receivers out there. There are a lot of great defensive linemen out there. And, of course, defensive backs. That's where I would concentrate if I was a GM. I would be trying to get those types of players that can come in right away and make an impact instead of having a project somewhere that i got to work on, like a Zach Wilson or something like that, that i got to work on for a couple years to see how good he's going to be. And you you probably don't know uh, till later on in in his career. So. But you have to take a chance on certain guys. If you draft them high, you gotta you gotta live or die with them, Mac. You, you yeah. just can't go halfway the way the Jets are going with have gone with Zach Wilson. I agree. They're going halfway with them. He's never going to develop into the quarterback you think he might be able to develop in. You wanna know what Mac's teams get scared. They draft a some a player very very highly and if they give up on them early and the player turns out to be really good they the team looks really bad and even if the player doesn't develop the team gets very heavily criticized for making a terrible draft choice so what they do is stick with them a while and see if they could play it out and hope they get lucky and it, it usually doesn't work out like the few years. You yes. know, they, they stick with them. You, you should have a good idea, Mac. I'm a big believer. Within two years, right? you should have a good year whether he's your guy or not. 
oh, in any position, but you've got to play the player constantly. Yeah. I mean, you work with him, even with the Giants, a non-quarterback position. Mac, let's talk about a guy who's finishing up the second year, Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony was the Giants' number one draft selection when they traded backs with the Bears so the Bears could draft Justin Fields, and the Giants got an extra number one pick. So it was a good deal for the Giants all in all. You know, if you make a deal like that to get two number ones for one number one, even though that other number one is higher. But the thing is, Kadarius Tony supposedly had maturity issues, this and that. Is he having maturity issues with the Kansas City Chiefs? If he's going to be with the Chiefs the next few years, not having these maturity issues, tell me what went wrong. I mean, you know, we, we praise Brian DeBall as being a great coach this year, and he's done an excellent job, definite coach of the year candidate. I'm not sure who I'd vote for. Maybe it would be DeBall if I'm giving it serious thought who I'd vote for. But part, a lot of it you said a while ago, Mac, has to do with relationships. Right. And coaches have to be able to establish a relationship with a player where they can control his actions, okay? Right. at least on the football field. And you kind of wonder, was that the case with uh, Brian DeBall and Kadarius Tony? Because if Andy Reid is controlling him at Kansas City, you kind of wonder why wasn't he kept under control with the Giants who desperately need a really top-of-the-line receiver? I think when you talk relationships, though, Jack, it's got to go both ways, right? I mean, you can give a guy enough chances to try to come around, uh, be a player's coach, and yet that guy still, in Clara Codarius Tony's uh, situation, right, he's hurt first. Then he's... Then he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to study his playbook. Then he's not coming to practice. And then you know they got to almost threaten him for him to show up uh, during camp. So I think Dakladoris Tony was very immature. I think that you know he thought he was he was he didn't have to do anything. Then he learns he goes to the Chiefs and he finds out. Well, if you're going to be good, you got to start studying. You got to start working with the with the quarterback. You better start making a team meetings. Or they're not going to use you either. So I think I think that Cladorius Tony woke up when he went after he left the Giants and found out that hey, it's not as easy as I thought it was going to be. It's not just talent. You've got to put the work in to become a good football player. And I think that's why the Chiefs are seeing that right now. I think that's why you're seeing Cladorius Tony almost be a different ball player than he was. So I think you make great points, Mac. I also think a player looks across the field, looks across the room, and it's who you see. If you're Kadarius Tony, young player, you look, you see Daniel Jones, you're not blown away by him, even though Daniel Jones has had a wonderful year, but you're seeing just another quarterback. You're seeing, you feel there are a lot of Daniel Joneses in the league, but you're at Kansas City, you look across the room, you see Patrick Mahomes. Sure. You talk back to him. You don't do what Patrick Mahomes says. The whole team is going to stare you down and say, yeah. get the heck out of here. Walk out the door. Yeah. You know, as a Kadarius Tony, I think, had to have been a bit intimidated going to Kansas City. These guys have been to a couple of Super Bowls recently. Right. Back with Mahomes, a legendary quarterback already. Andy Reid, you know, an established coach. 
Report. So I think that kind of plays into it. I use the example of crisscrossing sports. When Daryl Strawberry was with the Mets, he was out of control as a person. Out of control. He would challenge his teammates to fight sometimes. He came to the Yankees. He towed the company line. He was quiet. He, you know, stayed in the back like, oh, no, no. He saw the Yankee culture. They're not going to put up with any of that. He looked across. He saw Derek Jeter. He saw Paul O'Neill, he saw Jorge Posada, and he figured, I just want to fit in. I just want to be one of these guys. I'm not going to argue with anyone. He, he loved Joe Torre because he saw the personalities involved, sure. and sure. he adjusted to that. So I think a lot of times players, they had adjusted their environment. But I'm going to tell you something, Mac. If a guy is truly a loose cannon, <laughs> any player – Eventually, it comes out. Look at Antonio Brown. He fought, After having a lot of great years in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin kept him under control. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Antonio Brown's personality came out, but after many years. Sure. You know? So they move on from him, and he goes to the Raiders. He It didn't go through the deal and everything. He reported. His personality came out quickly. But then he goes to Tampa. And at least for a season, under the leadership of Tom Brady, he had it together. But then, of course, he lost it. And then his NFL career kind of disappears. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it matters a lot what team you're playing for, who your head coach is, and who your quarterback is, Jack. You're 100% right. So let's, let's take a quick look at Green Bay. A lot of things up in the air there, Jack. Receivers saying they're not coming back. They're not sure if Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Um, that last game was just frustrating for him as Detroit wins. Um, you know, you got players pushing trainers, guys knocking balls back and, uh, from the center, uh, getting you know number seven got kicked out of the game. What do you what do you what do you what do you think is going to happen in Green Bay next year, Jack? Do do they just fold it all up and, and start all over again? Do they get a new coach? Is Aaron Rodgers coming back? What are your thoughts on Green Bay? No, I don't think that you fire Matt LaFleur. He's been pretty successful. This year was a colossal disappointment. I picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I picked them. I mean, I picked the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl over the Packers. But what a colossal disappointment. When the Packers were 4-8 and, and they won four in a row, you figure all this momentum, they're playing the Lions in Green Bay as bad as the year was, they might actually catch lightning in the bottle. They'll beat the Lions at Lambeau Field, maybe go on a playoff run, and all will be good at the end. Uh, their problems, I think the problems were in training camp. Aaron Rodgers just, you know, didn't show up, didn't have the voluntary work workouts with the receivers. He really didn't put in the time. I think Aaron Rodgers is the key this offseason. I don't think he's retiring because I think his contract is written up what gives him close to $50 million this year. That's a lot of money to walk away from. Does Aaron Rodgers really want to walk away on a down note like this? Does he really want to do it? And with all, but more importantly, all that money on the table. And I understand, Mac, you're saying, well, he should have all the money he'll never, he'll ever need. But that that's a big piece of change to walk away from. So I think Aaron Rodgers comes back. Now we're going to hear rumors, well, should the Packers trade Aaron Rodgers? Listen, if the Packers can get the right deal, would they would they be willing to 
trade Aaron Rodgers? That's the question. That means they'd have to go with Jordan Love. I kind of have a feeling they would take that chance to Packers because they're coming off an eight and nine year. And they might look at their team next year and they say, yeah, how many good years does Aaron Rodgers really have left? And I'm going to tell you, with all the Aaron Rodgers drama that went on before this year, reportedly during the year things were peaceful, there has to be a lot of resentment that had to have been built up with the Packer front office, the GM. But they had to put up with it because Aaron Rodgers had the hammer, Mac. He was coming off back-to-back MVP seasons. He had all this power. They yeah. couldn't stand up to Aaron Rodgers. They had to basically just kiss Aaron Rodgers' rear end. You know, and Aaron Rodgers, from his part, was understandably upset with the Packers from a couple of years ago when they traded up in the first round to take a quarterback. And that that was the signal telling Aaron Rodgers, you're on the clock as our QB. Well, we already put it in the works to replace you. And Aaron Rodgers is thinking, but I'm as good as I've ever been. You're already working to replace me. So it created that contentious relationship between the two parties. But now I think they turned the corner. I think if the Packers are offered the right deal for Aaron Rodgers, they would take it. But would Aaron Rodgers try to spite the Packers and retire so they couldn't make that deal? But I don't think he'd spite himself. You know, you see all these rumors, Mac, all these teams that need a quarterback, and people get excited. They're rumors without foundation. I see this morning, oh, why the Jets should trade for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, what are the Jets going to give Aaron Rodgers? Well, I mean, they, they have one first-round draft pick that would go number 13. But what are they going to add to that? That's far from enough for the Packers. Sure. Are they going to give him Garrett Wilson? No. Are they going to give him Sauce Gardner? No. What is it worth giving, you know? Yeah. I mean, are they going to give their number? The Packers are going to listen. Listen, if the Jets called up the Packers now, they say, look, we'll give you our number one pick, number 13, and we'll give you Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, the Packers are going to make the deal, you know, but they're not going to do that, the Jets. So what do teams really have to offer? Would the Houston Texans be crazy enough, you know, for example, to give the number two overall pick to Aaron Rodgers, you know, a team that's not going to win an established guy? No. I mean, these are hard deals to make. And you don't know how many years Aaron Rodgers has left. He's an older player. So he's not going to command an incredible amount of draft capital unless a team is on the cusp of winning it all. Cusp of winning it all right now and they badly need a quarterback. But I wouldn't know who that team would be. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has a no-trade clause or not in his contract. I would imagine he does. Uh, a lot of guaranteed money. I know a lot of teams would have to pick up, which I don't think would be wise on their on their part. Um, I think I think he remains with the, the Packers. I don't know about the wide receivers. Maybe they'll stay because he's staying. Uh, but man, there's a lot of stuff. This is this is very interesting in Green Bay this year, Jack. What they're going to do next year. And congratulations to the Detroit Lions, even though they did make the playoffs. Uh, Campbell did a great job. Uh, he put together a real hungry team, 
And I, I, I think they'll be in the running for the uh, for the uh, division next year, Jack. Campbell did a great Mac, Mac, Mac. Didn't I tell you in the off season next year you laughed at me that Lions go ten and they go ten and seven, eleven and six in that yeah. area. They were nine and eight, but they yeah. approached it. And had they not been so bad early in the year, had they not been so slow to get started, they would have been in the playoffs with that record. They're well, just good. one win away. Here's here's one of our. Uh, it doesn't show the name, but here's one of our. Uh, he says he's going to leave the Packers this offseason. Oh, so. well, what do you mean? Aaron Rodgers can't just pack up and leave and go away. Once the Packers are going to have to get a serious offer for him. The only thing I could say with Green Bay, why they might work out a deal that might not be as backbreaking for another team is, I think, if they really want to get out from that contract and the cap hit bad enough and they have to believe that jordan love is ready right you know there are other options out there mac uh that you could take a flyer team like the packers if you trade aaron Rodgers, you sign baker mayfield for example and you let baker mayfield know he's going to be the starting camper. He competes for the job, and he might think, well, I could beat out Jordan Love. How good is Jordan Love? We don't know that. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know that. I don't know that. We kind of have to find it out. But unlike the Jets, who, are com who completely botched up the Zach Wilson situation through incompetent coaching, front office decision, or whatever, that's not the case with the Packers. The Packers have been held hostage as far as developing Jordan Love, seeing what he has, and they don't know the answer. You got to play Jordan Love. Yep. The only way you're going to find out is by playing them, and they haven't really had that opportunity. I agree. So that's the Philly sports guy who made that comment, Jack. Uh, he he thinks he thinks he's leaving. As Jack said, you're going to. You're gonna to have to pay to get him, but maybe he does leave. I, you know, I don't know, Jack. I don't know whether it's gonna it's gonna happen or not. But it sure is interesting. I haven't seen this much buzz around the Packers in a long time, and not on field either, off field. So it's pretty interesting how that's. You know what out. I do, Mac? I don't know what you do. What What would you do if you were the Packer GM? Would you trade him? Would you try to make it work one more year? Or would you do what I would do? Just try to get the receivers, build around, sit down with him, get him to agree to come to camp earlier, see what his level of commitment is. If his level of commitment is more than it was last year, then I, I stick it out, I build around, I move forward with Aaron Rodgers and try to have him end his career as a Packer as long as he can perform. I think I think Aaron Rodgers is still a very good quarterback. I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Honestly, I think if 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 the team played the way it played at the end, I think the Packers might have even won that division if they played like they did at the end of the year, that last four game run they had. Um, you know, I think the receivers again, he's got some really good young receivers, Jack, there. He got really good young receivers. And I would try to keep uh I would try to keep Rodgers, and I would try to keep the team intact at least for next year, and take another run at it before uh, before I did anything major there. The, the question is, and you, you pose a great question: What's his commitment to the team? Well, what's uh, going to be with Jordan Love? Because Jordan Love, his contract's going to run out. He's going to be able to go elsewhere. 
Yeah. And it gets to the point with the Jordan love. <clears throat> enough is enough. I want to play somewhere. I'm right. going to take a chance to go somewhere. He might want to sign a deal with a team like the Atlanta Falcons and figure at least I'm going to get a chance to compete for the job here. He's probably tired of being on the bench, you know, for all these years. Yes, and uh, and Pags makes a great uh, point. He wouldn't trade his jersey at the end of the game. He knows he's not coming back. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything, Pags. He maybe has it in his mind that it's a possibility, you know, and, and players think that a lot. And players you know, think yeah, that it players, could be his last game at Lambeau Field just in case. Yes. I mean, but the idea that entered his mind, and I, I wouldn't. What happens in the offseason now, Aaron Rodgers goes home. The question is, does he have a desire to play football? We've all been in jobs, Mac, in any walk of life, any walk of life. We could love the job we're in, and all of a sudden, we hit a wall. We just don't like it. We hate coming into work. We sure. don't like it at all. And Aaron Rodgers, like any player, a veteran player, is going to have to think, do I want to go through the grind once again? Do I want to go to training camp, put myself through that? And he might just feel, you know, enough's enough. I've had a great career. You know, I don't want to go through it anymore. We have no idea what's going through his mind. And then again, Mac, they take a couple of weeks off away from the game. Sometimes they get rejuvenated. I want to come back. You know, you know, we, we have unfinished business, he might think. Who knows? Very possible. And here's Jamie writing me about Russell Wilson again. And, you know, he is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, uh, Jamie. No, I mean, you can't take the stats away, Jack. He's one of the he's best. Not of one of the, he's not even close to being. Well, all right. Well, he's, let's put it this way. He's definitely a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. Anybody? I think he, he will get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he will get inducted into the Hall of Fame. He had enough of a career at Seattle. Enough success, I believe, will get in there. But I don't think he's one of these slam dunk Hall of Famers where no questions asked. I think that egg does he get in on the first ballot? I think so. But yeah. it's not a certainty, okay, on that type of thing. Eventually he gets in. If not on the first ballot, it might be the third, fourth, fifth ballot or whatever. But, you know, he gets in there. You know, Russell Wilson did finish the season on a bit of a high note. The last game he did, the game yeah. before that, he showed more than he did in most previous games as a Bronco which makes me just more and more upset at the Jets for handling the Zach Wilson situation because at least Russell Wilson, as horrendous as he was this past season as a Bronco quarterback, Mac, at least is having a little bit momentum going into the offseason. He could think, you know, I played a good game. We won the last game. His teammates see that. The organization sees that, and they – and they have at least something they can build on a little. Unlike the Jets with the Zach Wilson thing, what a terrible job all around by that organization. A, yep. a horrendous, sickening job. And it cost, I'm sure you were going to get to this, it cost the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, his job. He got fired. Yeah. Well, here's, here's Pags again with Russell Wilson, and I'm done with him. 
his team rallied around him. Well, that shows he's a good leader still, Pags, and he's still a good quarterback. So uh, That's important, Mac. I think so. I really do. So, Mac, was- unlike the Jets with Robert Salah, after they they take – they not only take away Zach Wilson's starting job, they take away his uniform. Exactly. Make him be in street clothes. They take away his uniform. And crazy. then the other players – are wearing T-shirts in support of Mike White. How yeah. is that supposed to make Zach Wilson feel? If Robert Salah were a leader, a strong head coach, he'd tell the players, you take those T-shirts off. Otherwise, I'm going to wear a T-shirt saying, this is my practice squad and have all your guys' names on it. Right. Who are wearing those T-shirts. And the play, he allowed Zach Wilson to get diminished by a career backup guy in Mike White. Mike White's gritty. He did a good job in a couple of games, not so good in a couple of others. He's nothing special, Mike White. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback. I understand the Jets sitting Zach Wilson down because they still had a chance to make the playoffs to go to Mike White because you want to have the guy with the who gives you your best chance of winning at that moment. I can understand that with the playoffs on the line. But to put Zach Wilson out of uniform and then say, well, we're going to get him on the field, this and that. And then even the last game of the season, it was nearly comical, Mac. Comical. Joe Flacco is probably not going to play another game as a Jet. He's playing the whole game. He gets you all the two field goals. All game long. And Zach Wilson, all of a sudden, they decide a couple of days before he's not going to be in street clothes. They let him get in uniform. It's the backup in case Flacco gets hurt. I don't get the sense. Just play Zach Wilson. The game is in Miami. There are enough, they're not enough Jet fans to create a lot of booing. Yeah. Imagine had the Jets played Zach Wilson. Imagine they win that game. Uh, they lose 11-6, a safety at the end made it look a little worse than it was. But it was 6-6 at the end of the game. The Dolphins get the field goal to go ahead, which basically would have won it. But imagine the Jets win that game even by a 9-6 score. Zach Wilson's doing nothing special. At least there would have been a good field. Well, he quarterbacked us. We did win the game. Yeah. And, you know, Mike LaFleur, I don't... It, I don't know, was it his decision to sit Zach Wilson down? But the bottom line, they didn't develop him, Mac. They never developed him. And you have their wide receiver, their rookie, Garrett Wilson, criticizing the offense. No rookie should command that power, criticizing the offense. Well, we're too predictable. If I'm the head coach, I say, maybe you're too predictable, not getting open a little more than you should. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I listen, Jack. It's that's a mess over there, and you know, I know you were predicting them to go to the Super Bowl or something like that next year. They got a lot of cleaning up to do over there uh, before anything like that happens. Jamie says that's because they are the Jets. The Jets continue to drive in the train with no tracks. I'm going to tell you the difference between the Robert Salon and Mike Tomlin is this: Steelers got off to a poor start. They wound up with a winning record. But Mike Tomlin always has control of his team. If someone gets out of line, he corrects it, okay? He nips it in the bud. Anyone can get out of line. 
but he nips it in the bud because he's consistent, has control of his team at all time. And Robert La seemed to be losing control of his team, like the players are running it. And I will say something good about Robert Salah. The defense on balance played very well this oh, year. And that's oh. a tribute to his coaching. He came from the 49ers as a defensive coordinator. And he did a first-rate job with actually the defense, the schemes, how they performed. But on the other side of the ball, you know, offensively and maintaining control of the squad, you know, it, it left something to be desired. Speaking of coaches, Jack, Mike McCarthy with the Dallas Cowboys. If he loses the playoff game, Jack, what's your prediction? Are they going to let him go? I mean, you know, this has been a long time since the uh, Cowboys have done anything. Jerry Jones is getting older. He says no. Jerry Jones says no, but maybe it's true. I lean towards believing Jerry Jones but I'm not sure because Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, their two assistants on offense, defense, are hot head coaching candidates to go elsewhere. You know, they've been linked to interviews with the Denver Broncos, you know, maybe elsewhere, maybe the Houston Texans yeah. who now need a head coach might want one of them. And Jerry Jones is going to want to see one of his touted assistants he wants to be a career cowboy, go to another Texas team. Right. So you don't know, but keep in mind, Jerry Jones, believe it or not, has a track record somewhat of being patient to an extent. Look at Jason Garrett. He was there for nine years. Yeah. People were calling for Jason Garrett to be fired a number of those years, but Jerry Jones would keep sticking with them and only eventually fired Jason Garrett when the Cowboys were eight and four late in the season, lost four in a row, missed the playoffs. Then it got to the point where it was unbearable, where he just felt he was forced to move on. Jerry Jones doesn't want to move on from Mike McCarthy. Uh, the only way I see it, if he, if one of his assistants he badly wants to keep, and the only way he could keep him is by making him the head coach and letting go of McCarthy. That would be, you know, Quinn or more, one of the two. Well, Jack, I know you're down in, in beautiful Miami, or down in Florida, I should say, not Miami. But we're getting trounced with snow right now up here. So a quick little weather update for you on the sports. No, yeah, there's no football in Connecticut, Mac, in the NFL. There is football in Connecticut. It's just, it's not, football it's just not football. No, it's just not football. That's all. The hey, Jack, fans so in Connecticut, are they the worst fans in all the sports or the best fans in between? I think How it's I think, I think the I think the fan base is pretty good, especially for basketball. Uh, and football starting to get better now with uh with the new head coach out there. Uh I think that the state has always been used by other franchises for them to like Robert Kraft did with the Patriots to build a new stadium. So uh I think that's what the problem. I mean, they love the Giants. They love, uh, you know, the Patriots here. Uh, even you got some people that love the Jets in this state. So I think they love sports. It's just that uh, the uh, the other pro sports kind of kind of push them aside. So one of the Jets and Giants sharing a stadium. Let's say Connecticut hypothetically, hypothetically, 
would build a brand new stadium for the Giants if they right. moved to Connecticut, okay? Right. Give the Giants all the perks and everything to make ownership very, very happy. Could the Giants ever move to Connecticut and keep the name the New York Giants if they were a Connecticut team? I, I mean, they're keeping it for New Jersey. I was just going to say. So I guess they could as long as their headquarters are still in New York. But I, listen, the Giants uh, and the Jets both played in Yale Bowl years ago. Uh, they were pretty in the beginning. Uh, fans went out to watch and play, and you know, uh, but the Giants really started getting bad, and and uh, they stopped uh, going to see them. Of course, they were building a new stadium at that time too, and, and the Connecticut people knew that uh, down in New Jersey. So I think I think I think Connecticut could support a professional football team if it was. Uh, a team from around here. If it was the Patriots or Giants, I think they could. Well, so, Jack, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it have to be on the fringes of Connecticut, like close to New York City, as close yeah. as could be? It couldn't be yeah. deep into Connecticut. Same with New England. It would have to be on the other side. Northern part, right. Yeah, I, I think yeah. you're right. I think it would have to okay. be that to get the response. So, Jack, in Miami, um, down in Florida where you are, two is not playing. Uh, this Sunday, the third stringer's going again. Teddy Bridgewater. Tyler Thompson. Uh, I mean, <laughs> does Miami even have a shot at winning this like, playoff game? I think that that's it. It's over. Miami just. I, I, I think it's a mismatch. Yeah, I think it's an absolute mismatch, especially. You know, the guess is Demar Hamlin is going to show up. Okay, to Buffalo, the Roy, everything, and then they're oh. just so much better. I mean, I watched the whole Dolphin Jet game, the last game with Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson is competent as far as taking a snap from center and running the offense, running the offense, but not making things happen. He's not going to stretch the field. He's not going to make big plays against Buffalo. This isn't to say he's not going to occasionally hit a 20-yard pass to Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell. If those guys get up, and I think Buffalo absolutely, you know, they run over the Miami Dolphins. I mean, I in this game, I'm talking about something like, well, I'm not going to give my prediction now, but that's obvious. I mean, I don't think any of us coming on the show are going to say with a straight face that they're picking Miami to beat Buffalo. I'm not giving anything away. That's not yeah. exactly a toss-up game there. I agree with that. Um, the Ravens. Sign linebacker Raquan, is it Raquan Smith? Raquan yes. Smith. $100 million, five years, Jack, but don't sign Lamar Jackson. What does that tell? What do they tell Lamar Jackson there? Well, it's a different position. Lamar Jackson would have commanded a lot more money. Raquan Smith, interesting. He came from the Chicago Bears. They traded him to the Ravens for. Uh, their draft choice, I don't remember what draft choice it was. It may have been a number two. Uh, I can't recall it being a number one or something, but they were looking to clear clear out, you know, cap space as well. They have a ton of cap space, the Bears, now, and that was their primary goal. Raquan Smith had a heck of a year for the Ravens, a heck of a heck of a year. And the season's still going on with the Ravens. I mean, in the playoffs, who knows for sure, you know, how far they might go, even though they're clear on the dogs against the Bengals this weekend. But Lamar Jackson, 
We're talking about quarterback money, not defensive lineman money, not linebacker money, not cornerback yeah. money, not even you know wide receiver money. Lamar Jackson has been out so many games this year. And this is his free agent year. This is the year he was using the cash in to get the big contract. I don't know is this a case with Lamar Jackson of his durability, if it's an isolated injury. If it's just an isolated injury, then I'm not scared to give him the contract. But if it's a question of durability, then I am. I mean... But listen, we all see the mistakes made with athletes in any sport. If you're so scared that they're injury prone, you don't sign them, then you risk losing them. And even if you could sign them, you let the price go higher and higher. Uh, Like in the case of Aaron Judge, even with the Yankees, they were concerned about his injury history. So they were like a little cautious and it backfired on him. The thing is with Lamar Jackson, the Ravens want to sign him, Mac. They are going to sign him if there could be a meeting of the minds. What would Lamar Jackson be willing to settle on? Will Lamar Jackson, you tell me, if you're his agent, do you tell him you could reset Lamar, take a one-year contract, the Ravens will make you one of the highest quarterbacks in the league for next year. Right. And they'll see how you do next year. If you're healthy all in next year, and, you, and you're elite next year, then we get the big contract. We basically just reset. I think the Ravens would be happy with that, pay him as one of the top quarterbacks in the league for one year, even two years, where they're not investing in them long-term, that elite quarterback money. And I think Lamar Jackson might have to take that because – if he doesn't, is there another team out there that would give him a, a like a four or five year deal amongst the highest quarterbacks in the league? Would the Falcons do it? Would the Saints do it? Would the Texans do it? You know, I don't I don't know, Jack. I mean, first of all, I think the biggest problem with the contract issue with Lamar Jackson is he doesn't have a regular agent, right? His mother is in there helping him. Uh, try to negotiate a contract. And though, you know, mom's probably looking out for him and everything. She doesn't know how it works, right? She doesn't know how, how an agent works uh, representing a player, especially with her son. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I think there's teams out there that would, would love to have Lamar Jackson uh, and they would sign him. They would take that chance. Um, But what would happen to those teams? I mean, when you got somebody making that on much money, take the Saints for instance. The Saints need a lot of a lot of help there. They need a lot of they need a lot of uh, either free agents or draft picks to rebuild that team. And by them getting Lamar Johnson Jackson, they're not going to have that money uh, to sign these people, Jack. So, I mean, I I don't know. I, I I think you're right with going with that one year. I think that's the best uh, way to go with the whole thing. Let's see what you really can do. They have the yeah yeah. So I think that's I'm going to I'm going to say this. I'm not so quick to come de- condemn him having his mom as an agent because right off the bat, we hear, well, it's his mother. We hear the word mother. So we feel, well, she doesn't know she's, you know, that's her boy and everything. She's a woman. What experience does she have as an agent? But you want to know something you can learn. 
Maybe she is savvy. Maybe she's seeing what the other quarterbacks get. Maybe she's a real student of the game. We don't know. But she, you know, chances are she has access to everything that agents have. She's, I'm sure she's been in touch with the Players Association. They give her listing what everyone is getting paid, who the agents are, how they've negotiated, and she makes a study of it. And she has a great product, her son, an elite quarterback. She's pushing this to the limit. And I'm a believer this, Mac. You can take a chance if you've already gotten lifetime money. For argument's sake, I'm just giving you a guess now. I, I don't know how much money Lamar Jackson has. But I think we. it's safe to say that Lamar Jackson has in the vicinity of 15 to $20 million in the bank from past quarterbacking after taxes. Would that be fair, you'd think, yeah, conservatively? Yeah. Let's say $15 million he has in the bank, valued at it. You can take a risk. The worst that'll happen, you get injured, your career ends. You have lifetime money. Not the massive $100 million that you want, but you're... You could be comfortable, pretty comfortable the rest of your life. So you can take the chance, unlike a situation if Lamar Jackson had a half million in the bank. Right. I don't want to say only a half million because that's a lot of money to the, you know, maybe the working stiff out there. But if he had a half million in the bank, he'd figure, wow, I better get my pot of gold now in case something happens to me. I better settle. That's yeah. why players now in other sports like baseball, they sign these contracts a few years before they become a free agent. They sign for less than what they can get as a free agent, but it's still enough money they know to give them security just in case. Yeah, and I would imagine Lamar, if he stopped playing football, there would be some uh, some uh, you know sports network that would sign him. Uh, just because he's not a big money. He has enough money now if no one ever signs him to anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I'm just saying, Jack. He has off the rest of his life I'm just saying that. Uh, Yeah, I, I agree. I'm just saying that, you know, that there's some sports network, I would imagine, uh, would pick him up and, and have him as an analyst on, on one of those shows. So No, no, I, I'm not that sure. You want to know why? Because Lamar Jackson has conducted himself like a gentleman. If he rants, he raves, he acts like a knucklehead. And he'll get picked Maybe. up, you know. Yeah. yeah, he'll get picked up uh, by one of the networks. I yeah. mean, they like the guys who create turmoil, controversy, you know, who are obnoxious. Those are the guys that they oftentimes go after. Very true. Very true. Um, so let's take a look at the Cowboys and the Eagles and compare them to the 49ers right now, Jack. The Cowboys, you know, I, I give Pags a hard time about the Eagles all the time, but they're a very good team. The Cowboys are having a lot of problems. Uh, Dak Prescott's throwing more interceptions this year than any other quarterback. I think he's got 15. He hasn't even played a full season. Um, the Cowboys' defense isn't playing as well as it did. Uh, the Giants give the Eagles all they can handle. Their third stringers, uh, last time they played, they almost won that game. Um and Dallas lost to the Commanders. And on the other hand, you've got, you know, you've got the San Francisco 49ers. They look hot as heck. Their defense is playing lights out. Purdy's playing very good ball right now. And, of course, they got a great running back combination 
with Debo Samuels and with uh, McCaffrey. So what do you think, Jack? I mean, you know, I picked the 49ers to win the Super Bowl this year. Do they? And is there any team out there right now that could stop them? I think teams like the 49ers would scare me. They're due to hit a bump in the road. I really feel there's a team that could conceivably be had, even though going into the playoffs, they have the best form of all the teams in the NFC. That's for sure. I mean, all of a sudden, we can wake up this weekend and see Brock Purdy being so-so, and then we could say, well, what do you expect? He was Mr. Relevant, the last player taken in the draft. He overachieved. So how can we be disappointed if Brock Purdy plays a bad game? You can't necessarily expect Brock Purdy to play a good game. Think of it. That's the that's the 9-3rd string quarterback this year. It was Garoppolo, Trey Lance, and Brock Purdy wasn't supposed to play. He's overachieved. He's been a great success story, but now we're in the playoffs. And uh, they're heavily favored over Seattle. But Seattle has some big-name players, especially on offense. Walk at running back, lock at Metcalf at the wide receiver positions. They've got playmakers, too. You mentioned McCaffrey and Samuel, but what about Seattle? They have playmakers, too. And even though I'm not the biggest Geno Smith fan over his career, he's had a wonderful year this year. Kudos to Geno Smith. I don't look at Geno Smith as a long-term franchise quarterback solution, even though you can live with him if the pieces around him are good, as they've been this year. Uh, You'd still have to rate him in a quarterback comparison ahead of Brock Purdy, Going into this weekend's game, if I'm going to rate, we see position by position, Mac, what says who you give an edge to position by position. And even though you're discounting the Seahawks' chances of winning this game, you go, oh, come on, the Niners are going to beat them. Niners are much better. The Niners, I think, are going to win the Super Bowl when all's said and done. If I had to ask you, who do you give an edge to? Geno Smith of Brock Purdy, not their team, the quarterback position. Can you tell me you give an edge to Brock Purdy over Geno Smith? Because I don't, not not at this time. I mean, I don't think the 49ers are built like any other team in football, Jack. They don't depend on their quarterback like other teams. You know, they, they depend on their defense. They depend on the running game. The quarterback, uh, even though Purdy's, probably one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the league right now, uh, they don't depend on him as much as they do uh, as other teams depend on their quarterbacks. That's not how San Francisco's built. Seattle's built on Geno Smith and the two wide receivers. That's it. And if they get, and they will, not if, they will get to Geno Smith. They will rock him. Um, You know, they will uh, cover those receivers. I don't think Seattle has a chance. And I think I think that the 49ers right now, they may hit a bump. Anything can happen. But that's the hottest team in football right now. And I don't see any team, the Eagles, only the Eagles, and that would be with uh with uh um uh my god, that would be with J- Jalen Hurts totally healthy, and he's not. 
So I, I don't see anybody stopping San Francisco. And, Jack, I don't think you're taking into account how the 49ers are built. They're not built to have a great quarterback and great receivers. That's why I think San Francisco ends up winning it all in the end. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you. The 49ers are absolutely solid favorites. But you get the feeling this season, one of the elite teams, it could be NFC, AFC, one of them, no idea who it is, is going to come up and have a terrible game and get knocked out of the playoffs unexpectedly beforehand. Could it be Kansas City? You know, could it be, you know, Cincinnati all of a sudden cool off after being so good, okay? I mean, could it be the 49ers? I mean, could it be the Eagles? Like, look at Philadelphia. They're the number one seed. But over these last three weeks, they haven't been good. No, They haven't been good at all. You wonder, did the Eagles hit a wall a few weeks ago? And that's it. They peaked in there as good as they were going to be, and they regressed a little bit. Teams sometimes regress as the year goes along. Some teams get better. Some teams, you know, get worse. Like we're talking about Cliff Kingsbury with the Arizona Cardinals like a year ago. They were so great a good part of the season, and then they just fell off the map. It could happen to one of these teams during the playoffs. Well, I agree, Jim. And look at your giant teams. When they won the Super Bowl, their regular season records were nine and seven and ten and six those two mm-hmm. years. But at the right time, everything came together and they wound up being, you know, the best team in football, you know, through the playoffs. Right. Oh listen, I agree something's gonna happen. You saw Kansas City get beat by Cincinnati three times, like in the same calendar year. Uh, you know, Buffalo. They've, they've been having uh, uh, Josh Allen, even though he's got a great arm, he does throw interceptions down in the red zone sometimes. I mean, anything could happen, Jack, and I, I, I agree. Well, Kansas City twice, uh, I think it was the playoffs last year and this year. Right, right. The Bengals. But listen, even the Bengals, they play the Ravens again. We don't know whether Lamar Jackson can play get in there. I mean, they can't right. call him. But let's say Lamar Jackson plays and he can use his legs. You know, and the Ravens come up with a great effort. You don't know what team is just going to hit a bump. Like, I'm alarmed about Dallas. You mentioned them. The game against the Commanders meant nothing as far as the standings go. But they had a lot of the regulars in. They were so bad against the team that had been playing poorly in the Commanders. Yeah. The Commanders had, no, the playoffs won on the line for the Commanders. That was a team in disarray, yet the Commanders look real good, and they gave a butt whipping to the Cowboys. Yeah. That alarms me. Me too. Me too, Jack. If I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, I ain't feeling too uh, confident going into the playoffs, that's for sure. But they do have a matchup, the Cowboys, fortunately for them, that might allow them to get it together. I'm not saying who I'm picking yet. That'll be tomorrow, but they're playing at Tampa Bay. That's certainly a lot better matchup than going to San Francisco. That's the truth. That is the truth. So, folks, we're going to take our promotional break. We're almost at the top of the hour. There'll be a quick break uh, with all the great shows that we have on the network. So stick around. We'll be right back after these promotions. He was a giant, and he was a cowboy. 
Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. They try very hard to ruin it. I'm not Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, is it each? Hello, we're back to Mac and Jack show. Well, Jack is back at least. Mac isn't, uh, here right now but uh i'm gonna carry the ball you see what injuries that take place they not only take place in football where players out they take place during these talk shows too matt pull a hammy or something (laughs) on the way to the restroom and and i have to pick it up alone so i don't know about matt getting the big contract i mean well you held you held it down you held it down jack for that that brief moment I, that I, then I stalled. I yes, stalled. Yes, I, stalled, I, stalled well. I was like a player on the field faking an injury a little bit, you know, so the team you, could regroup. Yes, you were. Uh, one last thing in football I wanted to go over, Jack, and news. Kyle Murray wants to uh, be involved in hiring the next head coach. I'll go first on this. I don't like it at all, Jack. I think that Kyle Murray uh, has no right – the way he's been playing the last couple of years to uh, demand anything. He's probably one of the reasons why Kingsbury has been fired. Uh, he's selfish. He pushes people away from him. He cares only about himself. And to let that guy have that kind of power, I think uh, the Cardinals are out of their minds, Jack. Yeah, I mean, he can say it. It doesn't mean the Cardinals are taking it seriously right now. If they do, something's wrong. Kyler Murray's been awful, awful all around in every way, shape, and form for the Cardinals. And I absolutely wouldn't give him the right. Now, it doesn't mean you necessarily aren't going to give a quarterback the right to have some say. Let's say Andy Reid stepped on as chief coach and Patrick Mahomes wanted to have a say in who the next coach would be. He wanted to be in on the interview process and I'm the owner, I'm the GM. I welcome Patrick Mahomes into the meetings. 
I let him have some input because I want I want to see who we could work best with. Okay, I you know so in certain situations it could be okay, but that has to be a true franchise quarterback who buys in. But not Kyler Murray. If I'm the new coach, one of the first things I do is seeing who my backup is, who I can play over Kyler Murray, and I might say, look if. If I'm being interviewed, if he has a true attitude problem, I gotta have the authority to sit him. I have to have the authority, uh, the authority to discipline this player. Yeah. Okay, I can't have the GM or ownership co- go over my head. I mean, if he talks back to me, he has a seat on the bench. He's got to do things my way. That's what I say. But you know what it is with some of these head coaching candidates, Mac. Very few are independent. One of the independent head coaching candidates would be Sean Payton, Super Bowl winning coach established in high demand. He can lay out the parameters and the new GM and owners are going to have to let him do his job how he wants to do it. He could have that independence, but most of these guys interviewing just want to be a head coach so badly, they'll give in to anything. They'll take the job. Okay, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll listen. I'll do whatever you tell me to do if you make me a head coach. Mm-hmm. So let's see who Arizona goes after. I don't think they can get a can- the hottest coaching candidates right now are the Cowboys assistants, Quinn Moore, and of course, Sean Payton. Those are the hottest candidates right now. And those guys have a level, perhaps, of independence. But the Lovey Smiths, who just got fired, who was basically brought back as a head coach after not being one for many years, they'll just, I don't want to say do anything, say anything just to get it, be a head coach, but they don't have the leverage, you know, to let the GM and owner know, no, it's got to be my way. So, but with that said, you let Kyler Murray have a say in who the head coach is. The Arizona Cardinals will go from being bad to being pathetic. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he should be allowed to say anything about any. I mean, I'm I, I don't know even know why they signed him to that big contract. I don't know what they were expecting from that kid. Uh he's he, you know, he's he's there were he, red flags. Well, he was really good as a rookie, right? And they saw the potential. They looked at the alternatives. But when they're red flags, when the Kyler Murray, before he signed a big contract, goes on social media and starts posting things and posting negativity, that's a red flag. That yeah. shows you that leadership qualities are lacking. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, listen. Uh, I think that's just, that's going to be interesting to see who really wants to coach there. Um, so let's take a quick look at uh, last week's games, of course. Uh, like I said, we don't get the chance to talk about it until today. So we'll just give us a, a little thoughts on this, Jack. Um, Kansas City uh, beats Las Vegas uh, 31-13. to 13. There's cries in, uh, in in Vegas to let go of their head coach. Um, you know, he has ties. He's not letting go of him. He has a few years left, Josh McDaniel. Yeah. He's going nowhere. It's not even worth this. Discussing. Josh McDaniel is in solid with the owner Mark Davis. It's not even worth speculating on. Yeah, the fans, the fans aren't 
aren't as happy about that as uh, as as oh, you wow. may be. You know, listen. But, the fans, uh, hey, hey, but they've had a disappointing year. They've blown a lot of leads. It was a yeah. very disappointing year. Listen, they made the playoffs a year ago with their interim coach Rick Basakia, but Mark Davis wanted his name coach. Right. And Josh Daniel was a name as offensive coordinator with the Patriots. He got his name coach at the expense of a coach who the players loved and played hard for. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Pittsburgh, uh, you got to give, you definitely give Mike Tomlin credit he deserves. Uh, Has that winning season where it didn't look like he was going to do anything. They beat Cleveland. Uh, I thought Cleveland would beat Pittsburgh. I thought Watson would come out, but uh, Pittsburgh shut him down, Jack. Rookie quarterback. Um, rebuilding a team on the, on the fly just about. Uh, Watt was out for a while, and he still ends up with a winning record. Uh, great coach. Well, one of the great stories of the NFL this year to me is Mike Tomlin's Steelers rallying to give him a winning record as a coach. What is this, 18 years in a row? It looked yeah. like there was no way they could get the winning record. You know, had the Jets beaten the Miami Dolphins, Pittsburgh would be in the playoffs as yeah. well. And, yeah. you know, and you think of the implications of not playing Zach Wilson and playing Joe Flacco. That may have been the difference maybe in the Jets not winning the game. I'm not saying Zach Wilson would have been effective. Maybe he would. Maybe he wouldn't have. But the point is the Jets losing that game, barely losing, kept the Steelers out of the playoffs. So you want to know something, Mac? If I'm a Steeler fan... I don't care that much that my team isn't in the playoffs. It means very little to me because the big story is them having a winning record is as good as being in the playoffs. What would have been if they got in the playoffs? They probably would have lost decisively the first game. It would have been one and done. So who cares, really? The big story is that team, that franchise had a winning record again. A winning record, nine and eight. And who would have thought it? you know, they come on and win the last few games and play this well. And they have their quarterback of the future in Kenny Pickett. He's not outstanding, but he was a four-year start in college. He's mature. He showed he can run the offense. And going forward, I'm not saying he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the league, but they have a quarterback who's going to be efficient going forward. Yeah, and as that team gets... Uh, better and better, uh, so will he. So that's going to be yeah, going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great to watch that that unfold. Cincinnati gets by Baltimore. Um, you know, I, I I thought that would happen. Um, Baltimore is interesting going into the playoffs too, Jack. I mean, we don't know as we said. Uh, we don't. I don't think Jackson's playing, but we're not sure. Good defense. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna raise a little cane, Jack. I don't know if they'll win, but they sure play hard for that coach. I got to ask you this, Mac. Who benefited more by Sunday's game? The Bengals beat the Ravens uh, with some room to spare. But now they're playing again the first playoff game. Who benefits more? Is it possible the Bengals could be just a tiny bit complacent, figuring, ah, we beat these guys a couple of times. We're better than them. We handled them this week easily. We'll do it again. Or would it Ravens laying low, perhaps? Figuring, you know, we can beat these guys. We can do better. And maybe they learned some things about the Bengals playing head-to-head. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. I don't think it's been done that much. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting to me. New England comes up short, Jack, uh, 35 to 23, uh, two different halves. New England comes back in the second half and, and holds Buffalo to no points at all. Uh, Buffalo won, 30, won the first half, 35 nothing. New England wins the second half, 23 to nothing. This is why I'm a little worried about Buffalo, Jack. I mean, you know, you got to play 60 minutes when it comes to the playoffs. You can't just play one half. Um, and New England, hey, listen, uh, you know, I, I think they'll be okay next year. They'll probably play better uh, under with Mac Jones and, of course, with uh, Belichick. He normally turns the team around uh, right away the next year. Uh, what's your feelings on Buffalo, Jack? You think they're in trouble? Or do you think they're going to make it? No, they're not. They're not in any trouble. And uh, like I said, they're the team I picked in the beginning of the year to win the Super Bowl. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. But in all seriousness, I think Buffalo is going to be fine in the playoffs. But if I'm looking for a red flag with Buffalo that would concern me, it would be the game against New England. Two kickoffs were returned for touchdowns. Special team plays. You take away those two plays, were they better than New England in this game? I'm not that, you know, not really, okay? But the two plays mask that, the special team plays. And I know how important special teams are, but you can't count on special teams to win you the game. You absolutely can't. What you have to count on special teams is not to lose you the game. Just hold your own. Don't allow any big plays by the opposition, and then you and then you should be fine. And uh, I keep this in mind too. With what happened with Demar Hamlin, Buffalo didn't have a normal week of practice. They just didn't. You can't be the same team Sunday. I know. Oh, they have all this emotion because of Demar Hamlin. They're going to be so tough to beat. Give me emotion and give me preparation and tell me I can only choose one of the two. And when it comes to football, wow, it's not an easy choice to make. But I might pick preparation, better preparation over motion, okay? Because emotion on the football field could only carry you so far after a while, but preparation has to do with execution, okay? The Bills didn't have quite a normal week of preparation playing New England. But at the end of the day, they got the job done. And I think the Bills are going to be tough to beat in the playoffs. But they have some formidable opposition that they're going to have to deal with at some point. And that's going to be, you know, Cincinnati, Kansas City. And, you know, and assuming... They take care of business against the Dolphins, which isn't a hard assumption to make. Right, right. Atlanta, 30, Tampa Bay, 17. I know they took Brady out in the second half. um, But, you know, that's that's a pretty big win there, Jack, for Atlanta. Uh, Tampa Bay's playing Dallas. Uh, Brady's beaten Dallas. I think he's 7-0 or 7-1 against him, something like that. what do you think? Does does Tampa Bay give Dallas a fight? Do they win, Jack, or is Dallas just too much for them? No, it's easy to forget they started the year playing one another, and Tampa Bay won nineteen to three. 
And after that game, we thought, oh, Tampa's Tampa. They're going to have a good season. They'll be their usual self. They've struggled. Tampa won the division with an eight and nine record. I don't see Tampa having turned the corner. Okay. When I mean turn the corner, struggling during the year, I don't think that they've peaked entering the playoffs. A week before Brady throws three touchdown passes, long touchdown passes to Mike Evans, and we think, oh, you know, they finally got it together. And Apparently they didn't. They lose to a Falcon team who has a seven and ten record now, two years in a row. I know the game didn't mean anything to the Buccaneers and the standings of a seeding of a home field. I understand that. It didn't mean anything. But if you're truly going to enter the playoffs and you want to enter it on a high note, and you're playing your regulars, you know, a fair part of the game. You take care of business against the Falcons in Atlanta. You show that you're raring to go for the playoffs. I just don't think this is a Buccaneer team that's primed, which makes the game against the Cowboys interesting because the Cowboys aren't going into the playoffs in a high note. But they losing to the Commanders the way they did and the Buccaneers struggling. Yeah, yeah. You got to get a win in that game, though, Max. So one team... You know, it's going to advance. Well, either team, I don't think, uh, has a shot at getting the Super Bowl at all, Jack. You got Houston against in- Indianapolis. I mean, for two bad teams, that was probably the most exciting game of the weekend, Jack. Uh, Houston winning by one point. Uh, a lot of things in play here. Jeff Saturday, does he coach next year? Uh, who's going to end up coaching uh, the Texans? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Jack? Ursay, the cold owner, it depends how close he is with Jeff Saturday. He, You know, you're the owner of the team. You can have your coach whoever you want. Maybe he comes back with Saturday. Maybe Saturday, who's a close friend and advisor of him, they sit down and he says, I learned a lot this year. I learned a lot. Let's move forward. He could look at Saturday as being a rookie coach who can grow on the job. And you, would the owner necessarily be wrong with Saturday being the coach? Who else would coach that team if not Saturday? That's the question. And Saturday didn't do a good job. Let's be honest on balance. There were problems with time management, you know, uh, in a, num- a number of other issues. But they've got to address their quarterback position like we said early in the show, the Texans losing, falling from one to two. Maybe it's damaging. Maybe it's not. If the Texans like more than one quarterback and they're stuck between two guys who they want to go, who they would pick, and they're not sure, no harm done. They just get the other guy, worst case scenario. No harm done. But if it's a type of situation like the Jets had, the year before where they upset the Rams and they fell from number one to number two and lost out on Trevor Lawrence, then it's a bit of a problem, you know, upsetting with the fan base. And the Colts losing the game, they're probably helped in the draft because they've moved up. Maybe they'll get the quarterback they want in the draft too. They'll cert- they certainly might be in position now because I think they, they go, as I said, fourth or fifth now in the yeah. draft result of losing that game but listen the players never tank these games mac 
players play to win. If you ever tell a player lose for draft choice, why do they care about the draft choice? They don't. They're not going to lose for draft. That's ludicrous. And if you make the players play less hard and tell them to, you know, to ease up, that's criminal. That's criminal to do that, Mac. But I think what coaches could sometimes do is take their foot off the accelerator. You maybe could play your backups, but the coach is only going to do that if he's secure. And Houston and Indianapolis both played to win. They both played hard. There was no other way of doing it, despite what fans might think. I definitely agree with that. Let's take a look. Green Bay loses to Detroit. Uh, Again, you know, Detroit, I mean, what a team. What a coach. Uh, Campbell, I think, is right up there right now with the ball as coach of the year. He really made – he really turned that team around. (laughs) Really excited about playing football. And they get nothing but better next year, Jack. Green Bay, as we said earlier, is just a mess. So uh, what do you think about – what do you think about Campbell for coach of the year, Jack? Not quite, not over the ball, not quite. They were nine and eight bottom liners. They didn't make the playoffs. The Lions could have, they lost some games they could have won early in the year. You know, Aaron Glenn, their defensive coordinator, he might find himself a hot candidate to get a yeah. head coaching job. I would take a serious look at him. You know, the NFL has the affirmative action hiring, which I think is utter nonsense forcing teams to look at a candidate, you know, because he's a person of color, to me is ridiculous. Case in point, let's say the Denver Broncos want to hire Sean Payton. Payton wants to go there. Payton would be an outstanding hire. Who wouldn't want to hire Sean Payton? So now the Broncos have to call in and interview a person of color because they have, they're required to do it by the league. You know how unfair that is to call that person and they have no chance of getting the job. You know how demeaning that is to them that the league is going to require that. And anyone in their right mind, if they can get Sean Payton as coach of the Denver Broncos, they're going to want him to be their coach because he, let's face it, is the best candidate, at least on the surface, that's available in the offseason. But Aaron Glenn... With the year the Lions had defensively, the way they improved, he's you know he's definitely worth a look, a serious look. Certainly, I would want him part of the interview process with certain teams like the Houston Texans, who just fired uh, Lovey Smith. Right, Jack. I you know we talked about Washington putting on Dallas twenty-eight to six. Um, you know with a third-string quarterback. Uh, does Sam this Powell. does this does this save Rivera's job for next year? I mean, do you have faith in him now? I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't know. That's my answer. If I'm <laughs> in charge, I mean, I'm looking elsewhere. I was never the biggest Ron Rivera fan. He had one magical year in his career with the Carolina Panthers in which they only lost one regular season game that went to the Super Bowl. Magical year, okay? But all in all, he's just another guy as a coach. Nothing special. He's coached year after year. They were 8-8-1 eight, eight this year. 8-8-1 eight, eight this year. Last year, they had a losing record. The year before, they 
had a losing record, but won the division with the losing record. So I'll call that, believe it or not, a semi-successful year, okay? Because they did win the division, even though they had a losing record. And they played Tampa Bay tough in the playoff loss. So you could say that's, that's a positive. But last year, losing record, they were performed poorly. This year, eight, eight, and one. Uh, you know, it, yeah, that that last win may have saved his job because when you look at it, they didn't have a losing record this year. I would look at Ron Rivera's situations this, and I'm not on the inside, Mac. Does he have control of his team? You tell me. Do you think Ron Rivera has control of his team? And how did he handle his quarterbacking situation? We criticize Robert Salah. Was Ron Rivera the guy who insisted they get Carson Wentz? Was that his hire? Was it the GMs? Right, right. I mean, if, if it was Ron Rivera's doing and he bungled the whole quarterback situation, because Tyler Hennigy clearly is not their answer going right, forward, right. clearly. He was a good villain, a good backup for a little while, but that's about it. But I want to know, you know, you got to hold these coaches accountable. If they demand the guy be their quarterback, they say, go out, get me this guy. That's my guy. I'll do this or that. They Now they got to deliver. If they don't deliver, they got to be held accountable. Frank Reich was when in Indianapolis. He told them to go get Carson Wentz from the Eagles because Frank Reich was Carson Wentz's offensive coordinator. At the Eagles, so the Indianapolis Colts got Carson Wentz, figuring Frank Reich could turn him around because he had him before, and he couldn't turn him around. Frank Reich eventually lost his job. It's called accountability. Right, right. Uh, you know, I, listen, I give Rivera another year and see what he does. Um, I don't know any – any. Uh, I imagine any coach would want to be a head coach in any, in any team. Uh, but I would definitely give him one more year, see how it works out with the new quarterback and, and with the team. You know, he had problems with cancer and all that good stuff, too. So, I mean, there was other things outside. Well, you think your quarterback – let me let me make something clear. Don't think they have a new quarterback in Sam Howell. Sam Howell is not the answer. And then he waits. Oh, I, I agree. If, they, if Ron Rivera is saying that – Sam Howell, he thinks, could be his starting quarterback next year, and he means it. I fire Ron Rivera. Yeah. If he comes into my office and saying, I'm counting on Sam, we can develop him. Don't tell me you're getting a fifth-round draft choice who played one game for you and it did so-so on balance. You're making him the starter. You could straighten him out. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. That shows me you're not the guy I want going forward. Yeah, like I said, Jack, I'd, I'd give him a year and see what happens. That would be – that's what I would do. Perhaps, perhaps. But let's see what he, what he says he can do different. They were 8-8-1, eight, eight and one, so right. they were average on the season. It wasn't right. like they, they were disaster. It wasn't like they were 5 well, and they And they played in the toughest division in the league too, Jack. So, I mean, you got to give them something for that. Um, Carolina 10, the Saints 7, very boring game. Uh, but the – the fill-in coach did a great job, I think, Jack. Um, he 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 kept the Carolina Panthers together. They won some games. Uh, they were in the hunt to the end. I don't know what this owner's thinking, but 
He's a he's another coach that I would give another year to see what he does. I would not know. I was that Steve Wilkes, the interim coach, did not do a great job. Did I not. The division was there to be won the week before they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had they won that game, and then well, they followed up with the win Sunday, they would have won the division. Had they done that, then you could make an argument against Steve Wilkes. They had a losing record with Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes, as soon as he took over as head coach, he's basically saying P.J. Walker's my quarterback. He, he elevated him over Sam Donald and Baker Mayfield at a certain point. Baker Mayfield didn't play well there early in the year, right. but they couldn't straighten Baker Mayfield out. Guess what? Baker Mayfield played much better with the Rams. Maybe a little had to do with coaching there, a little. I'm not, listen, Steve Wilkes, Let's put it this way. You could say he maybe did a credible job, perhaps. Not enough for the Panthers owe him the head coaching job, where he should be the future of their organization. I would, Jack, I, I, all. Jack I'd give him another year. I think he went under, under duress. You got an owner that's out of his mind. Uh, you know, what they did with Rule. I think he, he, he got the team that Rule left him. I, I would give him another year just to see what he does. If he doesn't do anything next year, then I can listen, I'm, and I would I would be hesitant to give him one year. Okay, they'd have to give him a new contract. Keep this in mind. You give him a one year contract. Right. Steve Wilkes joined the lawsuit with Brian Flores about racism. Right. Now he's going to maybe turn around in a year. If he has a poor year, sue the Carolina Panthers and say, well, you gave all these guys multi-year contracts. This is racism. Me only getting a one-year contract. Buyer beware. Buyer beware. But if you don't bring them back, you hired them as an interim coach. They didn't win the division. They had a losing record at the end. You could move on. You're protected from any potential lawsuits. If you move on from him, but you if you try to give him a one-year deal, he brings it up in the court of law later on. How do you like that, Mac? Yeah, I mean, it's a possibility. But then again, if you fire him, uh, you know, not give him another year, will he be ticked about that and decide It to- doesn't matter. He's an interim coach. <clears throat> they didn't win the division. If you won the division, look, let's look at the case of Rick Basakia last year with the Las Vegas Raiders. He came in as an interim coach. They made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The players loved him, rallied around him. I repeat, they made the playoffs with him as an interim coach, and he got let go. And they hired Josh McDaniel. I'm looking if I'm the Panthers. I might rehire Steve Wilkes. I have, I'm not saying I necessarily wouldn't. I'm saying I, I'm looking at things long term. Right. I'm looking at all the coaching candidates out there. Who do I want to have going forward? And if Steve Wilkes is on a par with the rest of them, yeah, I can move forward with Steve Wilkes and make him my permanent coach instead of an interim coach. Mac, what we have to understand, and I hope these coaches understand, if you're made the interim coach, that's what the word is, interim. It's not your job. You know, that means you are holding it until the end, uh, until they find someone else. 
That's what that means until they find someone else. All you're doing is keeping no seat warm. All you're doing is holding someone's place in line. Yeah. That's what you're doing, okay? And that's what was Steve Welch's job. Obviously, any interim coach wants to be a full-time coach and perform in a way. Steve Welch did so, so on balance. So, so, okay? Yeah. Didn't do a bad job. I don't want to hear that he did a great job. The Panthers were, what, 7-10 and 10 on the year? They didn't make the playoffs. Well, I, I listen, the rest of the teams didn't do too well either, Jack. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're saying that the Carolina Panthers didn't do well, neither did the Bucks, neither did the Saints, neither did the Falcons. I mean, that that, that division was just terrible. So, well, the Bucs anyway. had Todd Bowles. They won the division. They beat the Panthers. They at least won the division. Todd Bowles was the defensive coordinator of the Bucks before that. There's a history there with Steve Wilkes. Let's see. I, I, I'll say this. They lost Christian McCaffrey during the year. Robbie Anderson had discipline problems. They moved on from him. On balance, on balance, if I had to give Steve Wilkes a grade, I'd give yeah. him a B. Okay. I think he did okay. He did okay all in all. All, okay. all in all. But I'm looking forward, Mac. That's what I'm trying to stress to you. Is he the guy I want as my franchise coach going oh, forward? And I'm looking at the other candidates. If I can get Sean Payton and I feel comfortable paying a max amount of money and he's going to be my coach, or Kellen Moore, the Cowboys, you know, for example, do I want Steve Wilkes or do I want them? Uh, uh, you know, th that's the question I'm going to ask. And if I'm not sure... Then I, I stay with the guy who's you know was with me. Gotcha, gotcha. This weekend's games, Jack. Saturday we got two: Seattle, at San Francisco, the Chargers at the Jags. You know we already talked a little bit about San Francisco, Seattle. You like Seattle a little bit. I like San Fran. I didn't uh, say I like Seattle, Mac. I'm, I'm saying <laughs> that to certainly not to beat the Niners. Let's not get carried away. I like Seattle's weapons, Dan, that game. I don't think the Niners just show up and automatically win that game. I think Seattle Seattle might compete a little better than people think. Okay. All right, but so we both agree San Fran should win that game. Um, the Chargers at Jacksonville. I think this is a, the 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 most interesting game of the day, Jack. The Chargers, a little banged up. They got better weapons or, or talent than Jackson, I should say. But, man, the Jags looked really good coming in at the end of the season, Jack. Uh, Lawrence looks good. The running game looks good. Uh, the team is coached really well. Um, where the Char I think I think the team, the head coach matchup is not even a matchup. I think the Jags head coach is a lot better than the Chargers, Jack. Yeah, there's word going around that if the Chargers are to lose to the Jags, Brandon Staley, the Charger head coach, is going to be let go. Yeah. So there we have another coaching vacancy uh, there. I don't know whether that's going to be the case or not. If they beat the Jags, he might still get let go if they lose their next playoff game, but certainly it's going to be harder to move on from him if that's the case. Uh Brandon Staley, the last game of the season, a lot of people feel he left his regulars in too long. 
yeah. that it was kind of like a meaningless game to play there. And then he goes for two-point conversion at the end that would have sent the game into overtime. Why play more football? You got the playoffs next week. Your seeding is all set. You know, you couldn't really understand, you know, some of the moves, you know, he's going to make. One of his players got injured. They fell as a result of him being left in too late, too long into the game. So, you know, in some of his early season moves, you know, you kind of wondered why he's doing this, like going for it once on his deep in his own territory, taking that risk. Yeah. Uh, But it's a real toss-up game. I watched the Jack-Tennessee game in its entirety. I wasn't impressed with Trevor Lawrence, Mac. A couple of times he had wide-open receivers, completely missed them, just terrible throws, some of the decision-making. The Jacks were lucky to win that game. Questionable call uh, where they picked up a fumble that by a pass that I thought was a should have been an incomplete pass by Josh Dobbs, who was the Titan quarterback. It was picked up and ran in by a touchdown for the Jacks in the fourth quarter, and that was the difference. But with that said, the game's in Jacksonville. We don't know what to make out of this Charger team. This Charger team, I could see them losing to the Jacks in Jacksonville and being knocked out of fired-up Jaguar crowd. I could see the Chargers maybe being the one big surprise team that slips under the radar and then the AFC could give a serious argument to, you know, the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals. You yep. know, we, what Charger team is going to show up? Exactly. I agree. I agree with that. Um, Sunday's games, Miami, Buffalo, Giants, Minnesota, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, we talked about Miami's problems going with a third-string quarterback. I think Buffalo just destroys them. I know we're not picking. I'm just saying I just think they do. Um, I think the best game is going to be the Giants at Minnesota, Jack. Uh, you know, I'm a big Giant fan. I do. Uh, I think they can beat Minnesota. Uh, I hope they do. Minnesota's got more talent than they got. Giants maybe are a tougher team than Minnesota. In fact, I know they're a tougher team than Minnesota. They don't give up. Should be a really good game, Jack. I think the Giants are genuinely confident that they're going to win the game. And I think it's based in part on their earlier meeting this season against Minnesota, in which they lost at the wire on a 61-yard field goal. Right. So I think the Giants are confident. I feel they're primed. They rested their regulars. I know you don't like that normally, but why not? They, you know, And I think the Giants are basically just raring to go in this game. But you have to feel that Minnesota isn't going to take the Giants lightly. Listen, all teams say they never take an opponent lightly. They're going to be well prepared, but they're human. I don't know what the Vikings are thinking of the Giants. They're at home. Is there an urgency on the part of Minnesota? Because what they accomplished this year in large part goes down the drain if they get eliminated the first game of the playoffs against the Giants. This isn't a powerhouse team they're playing. This is a team the Vikings should expect to beat if they want to advance. It's not like they're going to Philadelphia and losing to the Eagles there. They're at home against the Giants. A lot of times, Mac, 
we use an earlier season game as a guide. Two teams play. What have both teams done since then? And we tried to use it as a guide. I'm not sure whether that's relevant or not. Minnesota has been a little more erratic than the Giants. Right. Okay, the Giants. Something about the Giants. They've been at least a little more consistent. Minnesota's up, down. They're playing great. They're playing poorly. They're playing great. They're playing poorly. You tell me. The, you answer this question to me, Matt. The best version of the Vikings against the best version of the Giants. Who wins this game? The best version? I think the Vikings would win that. Um, the best version. I don't the, think it's it, at home. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is this is not going to be that though. I think the Vikings. I think that. Listen. I think they're questioning themselves, Jack. Because because of the way you said they're up and down, they're not sure who's going to play, who who's going to be up for the game. They should be up for the game. It's a playoff game. It's at home. But you know, with what the Giants did to them last time, they got to be doubting that they're as good as they think they are. Uh, when you be, barely beat a team that you're supposed to dominate, and they they should have dominated the Giants because they definitely have more talent. When you just barely beat them in the last seconds with a field goal. There's got to be some doubt there, as you said, Jack. I, you know, I, I, I'm going to go with the Giants. I think it's going to be a great game, but uh, uh, you know, that's that's of course that's my team. So that's who Matt, I Matt, when you look at the AFC and NFC, only one team gets to the Super Bowl in each conference. That means, for the most part, organizations, fan bases end the year on a bad note. You know, yeah. even though they're in the playoffs. To their way of thinking, they end the year on a very disappointed note, put it that way. And then there's talk of changes, this and that. But there's a, I sometimes look at the difference who needs the game more. The Giants can lose this game. And guess what? No one is that upset. The Giant fans figure, hey, we exceeded expectations. We made the playoffs. We had a good year. Daniel Jones is showing us he could be our quarterback of the future. We have these nice defensive pieces in place. We're building a really good defense, they could think, the Giant fans could think. The Giant fans, if they lose to the Vikings, it's like they're playing with house money here. Okay, we lost to them, but we had a successful year. Everyone is still happy. And if yeah. they win and they could continue this, that's like gravy on top of it. But if the Vikings are to lose, Matt, what are they saying? The organization fan base. We lost to the Giants at home. Yeah. Do you know how painful that's going to be? It's not like they're losing, like I said, to the Eagles in Philadelphia. It's not like their season ended that way against an elite team and the other team's home field. You're losing yeah. to the Giants at home. If you can't win that playoff game, when are you ever going to win a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of pressure on Minnesota, Jack. More I just, than the Giants. I, yeah, I, I just think that it's 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 better to play loose than it is with pressure. This is what this is what I say, Jack. I say at the end of it's going to be at the end of the game, the Giants' defense makes a big play uh, against Kirk Cousins, whether it's a sack and fumble or interception, and they win. They win at the end of the game. That's what I think is going to happen. And I could see that the Giants are one of these teams that people are looking at. Well, if there's going to be an upset in the playoffs, 
a lot of people like the Giants as being the number one team to score that upset. You know, right. you look at a game like the Chargers in Jacksonville, I think the Chargers are favored by one point or the Jacks one point, but that's considered basically an even money game because it's in Jacksonville. The Chargers are the more established team. The Jacks are the new kids on the block. But I don't think people would look at it, you know, if the Jaguars won as an upset, you know, at this point, because it could go either way. But you look at the other games, you know, that are being played. I mean, Tampa, Cowboys, Buccaneers, I don't know, no matter who wins, that's not considered an upset. Seattle would be considered a big upset if they won. The Dolphins would be considered a big upset if they won. The Ravens would be considered an upset if they won. You know, things like that. But of all the teams we feel could pull a surprise and upset the favorite team, I think the Giants are looked at as more of being a team that can do it than the Ravens beating the Bengals or the Dolphins beating the Bills, much more so. Right, right. All right, cool. I listen, we covered all the games for this weekend. Uh I mean it's been over. It's it was a mess. Any final thoughts on the uh on the championship game with Georgia just trouncing TCU, Jack? No, no, it was a mismatch. The only thing I could say that people brought up, and I don't like bringing it up, but you know, we have a talk show. Uh teams sometimes tend to think, well, what could have been? I don't like to blame kickers, and I'm certainly not blaming the Ohio State kick. He missed a kick. Big deal. 50-yarder. Hard kick to make. Players miss plays all the time. They miss tackles. They're bad passes. They're dropped balls. And that could be the difference in winning and losing, but the kickers are always out there at the end of the game. And some people think, well, if Ohio State won that game, they definitely would have beaten TCU. Based on what we saw against Georgia, yeah, that's certainly the way it looked. But was it a question of TCU just having a terrible game or what? Because no one expected quite that blowout. Georgia was a two-touchdown favorite. I mean, but if they played 10 times, would Georgia win all 10 times over TCU? Is it a situation like that? Because TCU did beat Michigan. Yeah. The Mich- Michigan beat Ohio State. Yeah, and now Ohio State, you know, came within a whisker beating Georgia. Like, look at that crazy round robin. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it has to do with matchups, Jack. Like in boxing, sorta. I think that uh, Georgia was just a terrible matchup for uh, TCU. Um, you know, you saw what they did to Michigan. I think that Michigan, because they're, you know, they're just not as dominant Georgia as when they win uh, that. You know, they, they beat uh, uh, Michigan. And, of course, Michigan came back, too. It wasn't as close, I mean, as as a big of a win as people say. Michigan did come back in the second half. Ohio State, I think, would have beat TCU uh, just because of their defense. Uh, and, and like I said, I think a lot of it has to do with matchups. Um, you know, and, and I, I just – I don't know what the answer is for, you know, the playoffs again. I are they going to allow in teams that are not in SEC or big, uh, the big college programs across the country? Are they going to let these smaller teams in because they really don't play well in the national championship? Well, when are the they team. expanding the playoffs? I think Initially, two years. Jack. 
I think two years. I mean, I think that's what we need because four teams, I mean, it, it's not enough for some teams right. to be under fringes. I would love to see them set up divisions where once a team loses two games, their season's over as far as that goes. I mean, I don't want to see Alabama in a bowl game, not the playoffs. I mean, who gives a darn? Unless I'm scouting a player like a future NFL thing. Mac, you know, I don't know what we're going to cover, but it's worth talking about because it's in the news with baseball a little bit. We kind of have a lull in baseball because it's the offseason. We don't have the trading deadline. But what was your take on the situation with Carlos Correa? Um, you know, Minnesota signed him. Uh, they're not worried about the, the the ankle injury that the Mets were worried about. I think Minnesota wants a big player name out there. I, they, they really don't have big player names. I think they want some kind of celebrity out there, maybe to draw fans in and that. I don't think it was a smart move because uh, – if his ankle's messed up, his ankle's messed up. And, you know, it's it's not – it didn't magically heal from – or one doctor's opinion isn't that much different than the other doctor's opinion. I think it's good for Minnesota as far as uh, for putting people in the seats. Does it improve their – do you think it improves their team really, Jack? Oh, oh absolutely. Carlos Correa, he might not have the greatest personality at times, but he's a terrific player. You can't take it away from him at all. But I'm going to tell you, all these high-profile free agents with teams feel they need him so badly, you could you could get by without him in a lot of cases. Look, the Houston Astros moved on from Carlos Correa his first year away from them. They won the World Series without right. Carlos Correa. Washington Nationals, when uh, Bryce Harper moved on from them, went to the Phillies. They won the world. They won the World Series. After right. that, uh, uh, yeah, I'm getting a call now, Mac. Coming in, ignore this noise. You don't know how okay, to shut no away in a second. But the thing is, with uh, Carlos' career situation, I don't want to hear that all along Minnesota's where he really wanted to be. That's where his heart was. Don't give me that. The situation unfolded like that. He could have been with the Twins two more years at $35 million a year, but he had an opt-out clause, which is his right. The Giants signed him to a $350 million deal for what? Like, was it 12 years? I think yeah, it was 12, 13 years. I forgot. I think 12, but whatever. So he was getting his pot of gold with the Giants, but the doctors didn't like what they saw. So then he signed for one less year to go to the Mets at $315 million a year. And he didn't pass the physicals with their long term. They were scared. Steve on the Met owner said, I'm not a drunken sailor, something to the effect, like throwing money around. Yeah, so Steve was being responsible. They wanted to sign him to less years, less money. The Twins had them all along. What the Twins did was sign them for six years. They raised the yearly value to the front end of the contract. And it's going to be based on appearances the other four years. I think it's a good deal for the Twins. He's scheduled to be there the next six years. And they've been checking him all along. 
I think it's win-win this contract. He's with the team he was with last year. There's familiarity. Obviously, the twin organization liked him a great deal to want him to come back. Right. And he does have the comfort level there, but I don't want to hear that this is where I really want to be all along. It's like family to me. Because listen, guy, you went to the Giants. You then went to the Mets. So don't tell me how fond you are of Minnesota. And now he says, I'm going to give all I have to this city. Well, you got it because no one else wants you with big money but the twins. Right, right, right. It's it's a lot different when 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 you're when you're shopping yourself around, and then the team uh, comes to your rescue basically and uh, signs you again uh, for for as you said a very win-win contract for both sides. So eh, we'll see what happens. I don't think it I don't think it affects Minnesota whether they go to the World Series or not. I don't think he's that that big a deal. Uh, but Matt, the medicals that would concern me two different sets of doctors, two organizations. Sure. The twin doctor is a little less concerned, but he they're still concerned to an extent. Sure. You know, so, I would imagine. I would imagine. Is it guaranteed, Jack? Do you know that? Is the contract? Uh, yeah, the first six years, 200 million guaranteed. Uh, he gets over 33 million a year, very a higher annual salary that would have been gotten before. Before it would have been more like 27, 28. And if he reaches a certain amount of plate appearances in the sixth year of the contract, 502 plate appearances, right. then it there's a vesting thing that goes year to year. But it only totals up the next four years. The most he could get is seventy million over the next four years, so the total dollar amount comes down because he'll be an older player. So it becomes more, a little more team friendly for the Twins than the front end of the contract. Okay, uh, not much time left, Jack. But let's let's look at a couple NBA teams. Get your thoughts on them. I know it's early, uh, but. You know, you're talking, you're almost at 50 games now. It's 42 with the Celtics anyway. Boston at 30 and 12, Jack. Are they the best team in the NBA, period? I don't know. I mean, no one's the best team now. Everyone's jockeying for position, trying to peak playoff time. The Celtics obviously have a very good team. And to beat them four out of seven in the playoffs is going to be a chore. But who knows who's going to peak? I mean, I, I, I'd like the Cleveland Cavalier team in the beginning of the year to come out of the East. Yeah. That was my team because I just figured getting Donovan Mitchell, the young players, you know, Alan Mobley, Kevin Love coming off the bench. I just thought they were going to get better as the years going along. And how good are they going to, how good are some of these teams going to be come playoff time? Is That's the question. question. I mean, the 76ers, they're, they're handling James Harden with care, you know, come playoff time, can him and them beat Maxi? can they make a run, the Sixers? The Nets have been phenomenal for a while, opposite, you know, the Kyrie Irving, minus the Kyrie Irving drama, now that things have quieted down. How serious a run can they make at the end of the year? You know what the answer is, Mac? There are number of teams in both the East and West right. that can go to the finals. Right. I, yeah, listen, I agree with that. Um, 
I mean, it depends on the injury for Durant, too. How long will that keep him out? How will that affect him during the season? The Knicks, Jack, sitting right behind your Cleveland Cavaliers at 23 and 19. They're kind of up and down. They're, you know, they're in fifth and they're down to eighth and they're back up to sixth. Uh, again, I think they're a very solid team, very good team. Um, and I think that I still think that they're going to, they're going to make the playoffs without the play in Jack, but, um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to play tough all the way through the end to do that. I think the next goal, what would make it a successful season, win one playoff series, one playoff series and their fan base will be happy because it's been ages since they've won a playoff series. Like we were talking about the Giants a little while ago. Right. No matter what happens, their fan base is not happy because they made the playoffs. For the Knicks, making the playoffs isn't quite enough because they did make it a couple of years ago. They shocked people by becoming a fourth seed, but they lost timidly in five games to the Atlanta Hawks in the playoffs. So just making the playoffs won't be enough. They've got to win a playoff series to call it a truly successful year. And they might be able to do it. Julius Randle has had a resurgence again. And after the year he had last year, you have to be thrilled with this, you know, how he's done this year. Brunson has been a great acquisition. Knicks have been up and down, but they do have the potential to get in the playoffs and win the playoff series. To me, if you if they were a playing team, they win the play-in games and they advance to the playoffs and lose in the first round. To me, that's not quite a successful I season. I agree. Uh, real quick for you, Jack, before we go on, some interesting news in wrestling and in the UFC. Um, I guess White got in trouble for getting physical with his wife, something about a suspension for 30 days. Uh, and uh, it looks like McMahon is back in charge of the WWE. So two guys, two highly powerful guys in both of uh, in, in the entertainment industry, uh, both going in opposite directions. Uh, what What are your thoughts, if anything, Jack, on those two? My thoughts, let me, let me be clear about something. Dana White slapping his wife. It's unacceptable. I don't want to hear, well, she slapped him first, then he slapped her, he retaliated. Look, they've been married 27 years. His actions are totally unacceptable. But what are we going to do moving forward, okay? Uh, are we going to put Dana White in jail? Are we going to say he has to leave the UFC? He can't be involved in sports. He can't be involved in any business endeavors in the future. I always say there has to be an end game here. Dana White said it best for his unacceptable actions. This is going to follow him probably the rest of his life, okay, what he did. what You know how he's hurt the most in a case like this? What does this do for his reputation right. going forward? Someone can always bring this up to him. It's always going to be a stigma and to me, that's about the worst punishment you could get. It's about the only punishment. What's it going to accomplish? 30-day suspension. Who gives a darn in a certain sense? I mean, what are you going to do? Are we going to shut down the UFC completely so the other people who are working in the UFC, they're going to be out of jobs because of Dana White's irresponsibility? Dana White 
did something completely unacceptable. Uh, but what is the punishment that he should have? I think reputational damage is the harshest punishment a person can have in, in most cases, unless right. he's did something that was criminal and should be locked up in jail for. Hey, listen, uh, I agree with everything you said there. And on the flip side, as I said, McMahon's coming back to the WWE. Of course, he was really not out of it. The family was running it. You so. know he was going to take Rico. Of course. Well, come on. Of course. Of come course. on. Who thought he was going to come back? Right. Right. So, uh, but, you know, yeah. hey, listen, wrestling of nothing else, Jack, is one heck of a soul proper. So they keep, they keep them interested over there. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us on our Thursday edition of the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Always love having you guys in, making your comments. Uh, and stuff like that, and the likes, and all good stuff. So we'll be back tomorrow with Keith Angle, Byron Williams, and the Philly Sports Guy on the Mac and Jack Sports Show Friday. You all have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow.